Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Today, we're joined by Kelly Wagner, Director of Innovation and Member Experience at the Credit Union of Colorado. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background, what you do at the Credit Union of Colorado, and a little bit about the history of the Credit Union and who it serves? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so I am lucky enough to have joined the Credit Union um, just actually just over 11 years ago this month, or, or should I say last month, I guess. The COVID, you know, the COVID timeline, you're not really sure on dates and times. But uh, lucky to have joined the Credit Union. My um, background certainly is in financial services. Uh, I took a temp job some 20 plus years ago with a small uh, bank. You might recognize the name of Wells Fargo at the time. Uh, and uh, shortly before their their, their larger uh, acquisitions. Um, and so uh, here I sit several years later, having um, mostly focused in mortgage and consumer uh, lending, and uh, but have had the privilege over the last almost five years to work within our innovation and member experience sector at the credit union. And, uh, and so love that I get an opportunity to really bring cultural innovation to life for the credit union. Uh, really work on some strategic um, research and experimentation uh, and really living our motto, right, of assessing, trying, learning, trying, right, failing and repeating multiple times and coming out with some some successes uh, that right. The end goal is sustainability, uh, sustainability for the credit union, um, both just to serve our members, but also to right serve our employees in a way that is meaningful and sustainable um, to, to meet the needs of, of you know, both different demographics. So definitely, uh, definitely have a colorful role here. Uh, one that doesn't have a playbook um, and one that, uh, you know, I remember writing my job description or helping to write my job description uh, several years ago and, and getting done and going, wait, who's going to do this job? Uh, and and who's going to write, like, how is this actually going to play out? And so just very, very proud of the work that myself and my team have done over the last several years to really bring innovation, um, both naming it and then bringing it to life, right, in terms of of, of actually, right, having tangible outcomes um, that says that we are thinking and doing big things. So speaking of thinking and doing differently, we're, we're a few months into uh, 2021, and it's hard to believe that it's already been a year since uh, we've had this strange little lockdown behavior due to the pandemic. Uh, the year has been nothing but surreal. So along with what has happened and the anguish and all the things that have been bad, we've also experienced a massive shift in consumer behavior in the way that businesses act, the way that we react in response. So knowing what you know now in that crystal ball of ours and yours, are there any things that you wish you had implemented at the credit union before the pandemic started, maybe to make it a little bit easier to serve the needs of your members? Absolutely, and a great question, and one that, right, um, the crystal ball, the hindsight 2020 that we all wish we had before. Um, definitely seeing from a consumer behavior perspective, some. Some things I think we all expect, but the adoption speed is probably something that we're still all appreciating. And that's really that our members are trying new delivery channels, right? Out of out of a forced necessity. Folks who never really wanted to use chat or didn't really rely on digital banking to uh, you know, check on needs, but 
knowing that if they called, right, the, the hold times could be increased. And so really trying that self-service features that we offer. Um, and I think another shift, right, is learning, is, is experiencing the drive up in different ways uh, and how important those drive ups end up becoming. We have several branches that um, we, you know, are more consultative centers that don't have drive ups and how important, right, and how much that's going to change our business model, to be honest, about making sure drive ups are accessible in our locations because um, of situations just like this. Now, the question will become, right, of course, fast forward 2025, are people still willing to get into cars and drive into a drive up uh, or into a branch and will uh, right? Will will that experience need to be all digital, um, or will, will we still see that kind of blend of of need? So to address your question about what I wish or what I hope, you know, if if I could go back, I think a couple of things come to mind. Some process automation certainly comes to mind. The things where right, the kind of legacy, um, you know, move the widget because we sit next to each other inside of an office building. Those become extremely difficult when you're not in the office building. So certainly looking at some of our process automation and, and grateful to have a new process improvement um, manager who has joined us during the pandemic. Um, and so really looking for what we can do from a process lift to expedite speed and delivery to members when you don't have, right, the brick and mortar building uh, to facilitate kind of the, the transition of processes. I think the other one I wish, and, and we ended up getting it stood up very, very quickly was our video, um, our video engagement. Um, it was something on our roadmap. It was something we were working on, um, but I'm very, very excited to say, hey, you know what? We took, we went into the kitchen, if you will, right? Open that pantry door, as we all do, and go, what can I make today? And we said, you know what? We're going to make video happen for our members in the, with the ingredients that we had. So we didn't go out, right? You didn't go for RFP. You didn't go out and say, you know, should we go buy new technology? It was, we need to do something now. What do we do with the systems we have? What do we do with WebEx? What do we do with our scheduling tool um, and how do we right? how do we make this something that we can uh, we can put in the vein of trying let's try video banking and then we can refine it after the fact and i think the last one in terms of implementing before um, was really being able to and, and i'm so proud of the work that a, a lot of our teams have done is really getting a better um, handle on how we shift our employees to where the work is Right, so how do you shift that branch capacity when you have a lobby that's closed? How do you shift that expertise over to, say, the contact center, right, to take up phone calls, to handle chats, to do video? Um, I would love to see us continue to make that more of a seamless experience. Um, but again, very, very proud of the work of seeing how our organization was really able to shift very nimbly, more nimbly than I think, I, more nimbly than I believe we thought we could. And so a lot of acolytes to the flexibility, right? And the willingness to try things. I, I like that. And we've been hearing it a lot from quite a few folks is when push comes to shove, when we have to do it, we, I, I like what you said, you know, look around to see what we have and let's put something together and then refine it later. Um, and, and I love that. And I love what you talked about drive ups. I never did a drive up until a couple of months ago. That was literally my first time I went through. And then I saw the little canister that like shoots up. I'm like, oh my God, what on earth is this? But it was, it was quite an interesting experience. And my kids were fascinated by it. 
um, you know, how does the future hold and how do we transform all that? I think, you know, it's a work in progress, right? For a lot of people, for consumers and as well as for organizations alike. So speaking of um, what does the future hold? Another thing that um, has been debated about quite a bit, um, often for the past few years, doesn't matter how big or how small you are, doesn't matter if you're community bank or credit union, um, the question of physical branches. Is that still relevant? Do they serve a purpose? Um, this has gained a lot of momentum, right, during COVID-19. And we've seen news after news where branches are forced to close and the question about they will just stay closed even, even when we do recover from shutdown. I'm curious to know, what's your view on that? And can they be reinvented in a way that will remain relevant and useful, right, in the new world that we'll be in? Absolutely. Uh, and again, going back to you know, Bradley, your question of crystal ball, and I, I can't wait to look back and see if my predictions are correct or uh, how far off I am. But I do believe that um, our branch facilities still do have a purpose, and I think they will continue to have a purpose, and for a couple reasons. One is I still do believe that the human that humans desire connection, and my my curiosity will be is how much greater of a connection we will desire. Kind of like when you take something away and then it's given back. And so the fact that I couldn't go and have these consultative experiences in person, will there be a greater drive? Um, and I was reading an article recently, you know, uh, and talking about some Gen Z and Gen X behavior trends and specifically during COVID and, uh, and the influential, right, demand of working with companies who um, have similar core values and uh, and 80 percent of those Gen Zs preferred in-branch experience when it had to do with anything other than a what I'll call a simple transaction. So I'm thinking about this. I want to talk to somebody and uh, and being willing to make that drive or in you know the effort to show up in person. I do believe it, and I love the word you use about reinvent because I think there's an opportunity to reinvent. Why do we have to have doors and these offices and right like very much like cookie cutter? This is what you expect when you walk in. What about these experience centers, right? Like when I come in, I'm experiencing more than just a financial consultation. And, you know, how can we bring in the community to be able to use these brick and mortar buildings that we, you know, our community is so incredibly important, these communities that we serve. So how can our buildings be transform or reinvent to support the communities that we're in? Um, and really looking at the physical space, right? So when you're coming in, uh, you know, I struggle to see, you know, why I know there's a lot of trends out there like, oh, put these self-service wall boards in and put these, I, you know, these ITMs where they can do everything they want while they're standing in your lobby. And I just scratch my head a bit and go like, if I'm going to do that, like, why do I want to come down here? Like, I'm coming down here for a different purpose. And so uncovering or, or being a detective to what that purpose is, you know, really leaning on maybe niche or concierge type experiences that really are customized. So you know, Theo, when you come in, either I, A, I know you're coming in, uh, your behavior, your data is telling me that there's a likelihood of a visit, uh, or you've initiated that request. And so when you come in, how how customized can I make that experience that you, you expect that and you're willing to apply the effort to receive the reward, if you will, or the satisfaction of, of that experience. And so uh, I, I love to think of, you know, um, the, the Starbucks experience. I think we have a lot to learn from that organization. I think they've done some really, you know, unique things about still when I look at those lines and I look at the, the cafe and what is it about that feeling 
I would say that, you know, financial services could learn a lot from that. And so um, how can we be more conversational? How can we be more consultative? How can we make call ahead, right? Hey, I I've got these needs and I'm coming in and can they be prepped ahead of time so that I can shorten my wait time? We don't want to spend hours in our lobbies, in our branches, but if I'm coming in, can it be concise and tailored um, and memorable for me? Um, and then you know what? You get me every time coming into a brick and mortar versus a uh, digital experience. Your comment about the machine in the branch reminds me of something I saw last year. I don't know if it's still there now, but it was down the street. It was um, a small retail space outside of a bank where they put two video machines, kiosk, where you can do video consultation with a banker. And underneath that, it has a sign that says, oh, this is your video on demand with a banker in place of you know physical contact with someone. And here are the hours. It was a Monday through Friday, and you can chat with someone until five. And, and like you said, I was scratching my head. I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, why do I want to get out of my house, go to a kiosk on the street, only to be confined by the exact same hours, if you will, if you were going to a physical branch? What, what am I gaining from this experience? It, it, it just made no sense at all. It's almost like I am replacing a physical person with, with the machine in here, but you're not getting any extra value. You're not getting extra contact time. You're not getting more help than you would have had. It's just here. It's a replacing a person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know that to your point, right? Like the technology needs to be universal. So if I'm on my couch or I'm in a lobby or I'm working, you know, or I'm on a, uh, I'm on a, um, right. A video chat, the, the technology and the digital space needs to be the same. But where the consultative piece comes in is where, right, there are difficult things. Example, right, what we just went through, job loss, death, uh, right, uh, life events occurring. And so um, how can we be really good partners to our members during that time and meet them where they're at? So while we, I don't know that we'll ever embrace a 24-7 shop like a human, right, humans being willing to talk at 2 o'clock in the morning, but can technology then come up? And be able to right offer that to where the where the member is, and then allow that consultative to happen potentially during office hours. Um, and so I just you know it's and of course you're chasing right you're chasing a live wire because everyone's demands and expectations are different. So you're trying to be a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, and so yeah, definitely agree with you that the hours of service need to be 24/7. The type of service I think we can still play with to, to meet members' expectations. Um, and of course, right, the the next piece is, hey, I want to initiate something. I want to initiate a dispute. I want to initiate an application. We can begin to respond immediately and be able to be very forthcoming, very proactive with members to notify them of where things are at. That you actually can, in some cases, meet the member through digital where they they're feeling very consultative, but yet the technology, right, the automation, all of that is happening and creating touch points that would normally have to be a human who's doing that. And so can we leverage AI, right? Can we leverage some of the, um, the different pieces that allow a member to feel really well taken care of, really personalized, really customized, uh, but we're also, right, we're leveraging technology that's running 24 
when you think about you know that twenty four seven, you know my my financial institution that we use for our family is originally United Airlines um, Credit Union because my dad worked at United for thirty seven years and. I think for more than half of his time at United, he worked the graveyard shift. And so we think of, you know, 24 seven and we're like, oh, well, we're up, you know, for 16, whatever hours, um, some of us a little bit more than 16 hours a day. And we think about, you know, hey, it's it's three in the morning. I want to talk to, you know, my, my, my banker or my credit union person and they can't. Um, when we think about, you know, like your credit union and the members that you have, the credit union has been around for more than 80 years, have 140,000 more plus members. How do you really know what members want in terms of that 24-7? And, and how do we combine technology and sort of member needs to understand, you know, what that 24-7 really looks like if we can't physically be there or if we can't be on the phone all the time? Um, how, how do you think about learning more about what their needs are, especially in this past year uh, when things have changed so much? Really great question and, and great example, um, right? We, if we think about um, the nurse, you know, the doctors, the nurses, the pilots, the, the amount of work that happens while the world sleeps, and I'm using air quotes, um, you know, definitely to your point, right? Like, what is it, what do consumers want? And it depends on which consumer and it depends on which stage of life. And it depends on, right, also, uh, are we in the center of a pandemic? So definitely agree with you that what do consumers want? Um, and something that we've been working on is I really believe we need to ask them and not ask them through a post-transaction survey. While I love our post-experience surveys asking, you know, Bradley, how was your experience when you called into our contact center? Of course, I want to know if, uh, you know, did we serve your needs? Did we resolve the issue? But what about asking proactively? What about partnering with members and consumers and employees? Mind you, I think I, uh, organizations, in my opinion, sometimes forget that, that the, the employees are consumers. And how often are they even using your own services? Uh, how often are they wishing that they could talk to someone at 11 a.m. or you know, 11 p.m.? And there's a whole niche that we've, we've missed the mark on. So um, I definitely think, think partnering and, and understanding what the needs are. And then also working on some prototype and customization to the point I made earlier, right? Which is, you know what, if, you know, are we able to, you know, serve at 3 a.m. in the morning? Well, our business model currently is not set up on that. So how do we offset that for that population like your dad who needs services and would like an interaction? How can we make that something accessible to that particular member's needs? Um, and then being honest and transparent about our why. You know what your you know your lifestyle your hours of operation are just as important as the regular part of the world and so here's the services we offer quote unquote offline right or uh or that you know uh, we're dropping we're changing you know we're dropping messages uh at different times of the day right um that not everything is you know join us for this time period at this focus group at this time at 10 in the morning and all of us are like well we're working we're sleeping we're right life is happening so I definitely think asking uh, asking and being open to it and, and really leveraging the data that says, you know what, we know who Bradley's dad is. We know that this is what's important to him. And then we know that, you know what, this may not meet all of his needs, but can we meet 80% of those needs? And, and granted, I think those, that same challenge exists, whether you're a graveyard or a, right, an everyday uh, or a day worker, if you will. So uh, definitely I think getting to know them and, and I'm in favor of asking 
although that should scare the heck out of us, right? Because when you open that floodgate for what do you want, what do you need, you better be prepared to be able to serve and answer and address those questions or those needs. I like that. I I can't help but to think when was the last time my bank asked me what I want? And I, I I don't even remember. I can't tell you. Definitely not this year. Definitely not last year. I don't know. <laughs> right. And and that seems to be something that we need to do more, not just as you say, uh, a survey post transaction, but what what do you need? How can we better serve you? Um so speaking of that, um that's another theme that's been running through of late is how COVID has impacted certain demographics of our population, the small businesses, the women, communities of color, the underbanked, if you will. What are some of the things that credit unions can do to help us build back better, right? Because we need to look forward. How do we better serve them in a way that can help recover? for lack of better words, and, and what, what role should financial services industry play? Great question. And definitely believe that the, um, right, the cultural undertones that exist both through a pandemic um, and other things, right, regarding social justice and, uh, and a lot of, um, you know, the needs of the underserved and whether that's banked underserved or underserved by society, definitely um, think that there's a lot of different um different you know kind of needs playing out and and playing out all at the same time and so i definitely see you know that the the impacts that we've seen to a lot of the folks in our community right is uh is a need for us to um to do more right and to be more conscious and more aware uh, i'm very proud of the work that we've started um, where we stood up uh recently i would say in the last i think it's been six to six to seven months we have taken a concerted effort and, and focus on our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy and making that at the forefront of, right, really understanding um, what are those impacts? You know, we can paraphrase, we can read our white pages, but what is that actual impact and what does it feel like? And how do we meet our members, whether they are part of this population or whether they're not? And so really understanding, right, what is the, what is, what is the resiliency that's ongoing for our members that, in times of trial, uh, we can be there for them, right? Are we skipping loan payments? Are we providing right short-term lending solutions? Um, are we the, you know, are we being reliable to them and partnering with specifically these groups? And then really looking at um, one of the things I love about our credit union and, and the work that innovation has done is we really focus on kind of five disciplines within the, the innovation discipline that that I you know we're creating for Credit Colorado and that really is around ideation, research and development, uh, the cultural or the people innovation, um, staying on top of communication and how varying forms of, of communication need to exist. Um, and then also right being able to really um, have the people drive the innovation kind of speaking to our last discussion right let our members drive some of our innovation. Um, and so when you look at right how we ideate um, our employees, we crowdsource um, ideation or ideas. And so we're able to also listen to our employees who were saying things like, right, we need to be there for our small business community. We need to be there for the underserved. We need to be there for uh, right the different social justices that are existing or, or the calls for action. Um, and so 
through our DEI efforts, um, we're going to continue to really unpack what does it mean for right communities of color or communities of underserved or underbanked? What does that mean and how do we meet them um, and be way more in um, way more uh, in, in my opinion, right? More at the forefront of saying we care and here's the way that we care and here's how we support you, whether times are great or times are not so great. And our actions are, are aligning with our core values and our mission. Um, and so definitely, right, seeing that we can we can do more um, and paying attention to to what the needs are. And I think financial services, uh, in my opinion, have a really large role to play in that and that we can do the right thing, even when doing the right thing is really hard. And that that certainly resonates with us. Um, we just put out a book about that uh, called Beyond Good, available at Amazon.com and everywhere fine books are sold. Um, but in that, we talk about credit unions and we talk about why credit unions exist. And you know, I've I've worked at different size institutions, one of the largest in the globe, and I've worked here in the Bay Area at a credit union for almost eight years. And as a credit union member for you know now more than three decades, um, the only other institution that I really sort of recognize um, is USAA, and that's because my father was in the service. And so the connections to both community and something larger than ourselves and a group of people that serve is something that resonates with me and with both of us as we wrote this book. And so when we think about you know the credit union model and the tens of millions of credit union members in this country and around the world, um, we think about something that's a little bit different. It's truly a movement. It's something that we own. It's something that is a counterbalance, I think, to the large business models of extraction uh, that banks in many, many ways represent. And so, you know, just hats off to you to continue to play that role in your community and with your members in Colorado. Um, just to, to sort of transition and wrap up, let's talk about those innovation priorities then and talk about, you know, what it means for you going into the next year in your team and what you think about in terms of the ways that you could serve your members better, the communities that you serve better. And, um, you know, just talk about, you know, what you're excited about coming into the next year. Oh gosh, what a wonderful, loaded, scary question uh, of trying to, right? Trying to uh, really identify the, um, the priority, which is such a key word because Anytime you peel back that onion, right? We want to do something different. There's about 12, right? 12 to 15 different options. And then about 30 different vendors who can provide that. And then about, right, 30 different uh, opinions on which direction to take. And so uh, our innovation priorities, again, are shifting. We, we have stood up cultural innovation for the last two and a half, three years, right? Through crowdsourcing and really building some of the muscle within our organization, right? Allowing our employees to help us create what do what needs do we need to fill? What changes should we make? And so moving that, right? One I've already spoke of, of really allowing your members to um, be part of that conversation. The next one really that this 2021 at least is focused on, and I think it will continue is, we used to call it R&D, and that's what everyone knows, right? Research and development, but uh, we've now coined research or R&E, research and experimentation, because allowing that word to be part of your organization's um, vocabulary 
give space to try things, right? And to say, we don't exactly know what the future is going to be. And so our priority is really around researching and experimenting. What do members want? What do members need? What do members need in my several years from now? Um, and so looking at beyond five years. So a couple things come to mind. Uh, I have a lot of curiosity around this whole auto um, lending side of our business, which is huge. Credit unions have been there for our members from a low rate, financing your auto for decades, to your point. And so what's going to happen when autonomy, if, I don't even say if, I'm going to stand corrected. When autonomy arrives and it becomes uh, more accepted, right, more mainstream, what's going to happen to the credit union's financial, um, right, financial books in terms of autonomy? And it will everyone still own their own vehicle. Is rideshare behavior going to continue? Uh, what about auto buying? Uh, you know, the, the model of sight unseen, I'm buying things off of, uh, right, off the internet, and I don't need to test drive a car because they all test drive the same. Um, and I kind of know what I want because I can see that. And so how will the credit union respond? And that's where I'm fascinated to want to research and experiment uh, and really, right, pay attention to the eco strategy that's unfolding, right? What will happen if cars go, uh, right, to uh, electric? And that's going to change a lot of the way that we do business. So definitely kind of giving you just a few examples of the experimentation that we're, we're researching and, and going to be trying. And I say trying doesn't mean that we're rolling out six different products, but trying might mean, right, what does this look like if we pilot something very small? And then we look and watch for the behavior of, of how the members um, engage and respond to that to that try. Um, in terms of, I think, uh, in the innovative priorities of what comes next, I, I also believe in, in this fintech movement do a lot with the fintech, uh, right? Some of the, the thought leaders of fintech and what is what is that connection? And uh, Bradley, I love what you said about, you know, credit unions, I, I do wholeheartedly believe we have this capacity to do such great things that's beyond financial services when you think of the larger big banks. And the reason why I bring that up with the fintech conversation is, I believe there's some very strong parallels in the DNA of what fintechs can do and what credit unions are doing. We care very much obsessively about the end user experience. And fintechs are really good at doing usually right one very specific thing. They, they latch onto that and they perfect it. And so credit unions, we don't have that luxury of just being really good at one thing. We have to be good at a lot of things. But the scale we can bring to a fintech met with the discipline and the structure and the focus that a fintech can bring, you put those two worlds together where the end in mind is to make each other better. It's not a comp competition, but a right partnership. Great things are going to come, I believe, from when the FinTech and the credit union minds continue to meet. Um, and so I'll be interested to also see, right, how do we incorporate FinTechs? How do we, you know, are, is there a way that FinTechs and, and credit unions become so much more in step than, right, sometimes right now we're still in a pretty much a vendor versus, right, organizational, um, conversation and then how we manage our vendors needs to change credit unions typically right uh, I think a lot of institutions I'll take not credit unions at this time specifically but uh, you know you kind of pick your vendor you go through your onboard and you put them on the shelf of the vendor list right and somewhere in there the vendor mi mixed with the organization needs to keep that product on track and they sometimes fall off and then you're before you know it you're doing an RFP for a new vendor what if 
my favorite way of starting every sentence. What if we started looking at fintechs as part of us, as part of the success of their success as part of what we do? And so it is an ongoing conversation. It's not a purchase and put it onto the shelf, but a constant iterative design that's making their solution better. But you're giving them scale to try those things, right? Pilot their roadmap and not let it be the secret kind of roadmap that we all hope will come to fruition, but we're actually helping to contribute to that success. Um, I think in terms of what am I excited about? Oh, I'm excited about the unknown. I, you know, maybe it's a good thing I'm in the innovation space because I, you know, what keeps me up at night and what keeps my executives up at night is like the driving force, right? To keep, you know, keep figuring out this puzzle, um, keep trying things, keep looking for failures. Something that's awkward to say is I want to fail at some things. Uh, I'd like to fail really fast. That's kind of a cliche way of, right? I think that term's out there now, but I want to fail fast and be able to recover, uh, but recover with some great lessons to be able to try and and really being able to, right, leverage this digital era that we're in, this, uh, this ability to do things we never thought possible uh, and really be able to, right, do things for our members that they go, oh, that was so easy. That was so memorable. Uh, wow, they really know who I am and know what I want. And and that is rewarded by that repurchase and that loyalty that credit unions have, you know, I think done an amazing job at for the last several decades of really being there for our members and doing the right thing, as I mentioned, when the right thing isn't cool, when the right thing isn't easy. Uh, and that when times are tough, they know that the one steady is going to be, right, the person on the other end of a, Teller line, a video chat, right? A phone call, um, or the future of an AI bot, but that 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 experience is still going to run genuine and and um, and reliable. Um, and so that's the desire that, that that's what keeps you know me going and excited about is to understand what that relationship can look like um, and then raising that bar. Even. I like that. So here's to more experimentation curiosity, and creating new memorable experiences. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kelly, and thank you all for listening in to another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you next week.